Boozed and Confused is a comedy and weird topic podcast. Adult language may be used probably by me. While our episode topics may be educational in nature, we are not responsible if your children start dropping the F-bomb to their kindergarten class. Listener discretion is advised. Ellen Ray Greenberg was a 27-year-old first-grade teacher from Juniata, Philadelphia. On January 26, 2011, Ellen was found dead in her apartment with 20 stab wounds, 10 of which were to her back and neck. After the autopsy, the Philadelphia Medical Examiner's Office ruled the death a homicide. The next day, the Philadelphia Police Department stated The death of Ellen Greenberg has not been ruled a homicide. Homicide investigators are considering the manner of death as suspicious at this time. In February of 2011, her case was officially ruled a suicide. What happened to Ellen Ray Greenberg? Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi. Hey. Hello. I'm Carol Ann. I'm Matt. I figured it out. I figured it out. And this is Boozed and Confused. Boozed and Confused. We're a podcast that just talks about weird topics you find on the internet. And today is no exception. It's a little different from what we usually do, but we're doing something more of an unsolved mystery, if you will. And not one that you might expect. Yeah, it's a little out there. We're not really political, so we're not going to go down that unsolved mystery. (laughs) No, no, nothing like that. Before we get into today's topic, just a couple of housekeeping items. We are on all of your favorite social media platforms. So we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if social media isn't really your thing and you don't uh, particularly enjoy it, uh, you can find us on Gmail. <laughs> Good old-fashioned email. Ooh, Gmail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we are Boost and Confused Podcast at gmail.com. We would love if you would send us like your spooky stories, maybe some creepy encounters. Maybe you grew up in like a childhood home that was haunted. We'd love to hear it and share it on the pod. You can also find me on MySpace. Uh, (laughs) It's not an officially attached to our pod, but it does exist still. And you can see how awkward I was as a junior in high school. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. It's like a, a living... Oh... What are those it's things? It's a time capsule. Yeah, there it's you go. It's a time capsule. Yep. yep. And the last item on the list is if you like the podcast, you tune in every week on Mondays when we drop our episodes. The best way that you could support us is by leaving us a review on your platform of choice, uh, Apple Podcasts especially. I know we say this every week, but we would be so appreciative if you would do that. It's the best way that other people could find us outside of word of mouth and your reviews really do help and the best part is if you leave us a review and you take a screenshot and you send it to us we will send you some boost and confused stickers for free if i knew how to play an instrument i would go to your house and i would sing you a song i could play the trumpet but like yeah like eighth grade like played trumpet hot cross buns hot cross buns mary had a little lamb Uh uh-huh um, a couple weird ones in there. Mm-hmm. Mambo number five. Mm-hmm. 
There you go. Leave us a review and you could get some hot cross buns played for you. Hot cross buns. All right. Before we dive into today's topic. Content warning. You think? I think this is worthy of a content warning. Yeah, we'll do the content warning after. Oh, shoot. The We forgot the boozed part. Okay. What are you drinking? Uh, a New Belgium fat tire. Ooh. It's a Belgian white. Um, well, let me, uh, it's a lot like a blue moon, but. But it's not. <laughs> I don't know. It's got a little something else going on over there. All right. So content warning. There it is. Uh, for today. So we usually don't talk about things that are super duper gruesome. Um, but this one we think probably warrants a content warning. So uh, today's topic is going to talk about uh, what is potentially a suicide and um, potential uh, struggles with mental illness and uh, potentially domestic violence. There you go. You've been warned. So if any of those are uh, triggering topics for you, thank you so much for joining us this week. And we will see you next week instead. Bye. All right. Good pod. All right. That being said, I think it's time to dive into it. Let's get down to business. All right. So Ellen Greenberg uh, passed away just about nine years ago now. Um, I think we, we've hit the, the nine-year mark this year. It's so weird seeing that 2011 is essentially 10 years ago. 2011 was like last year. That feels like it. So Ellen Greenberg uh, was found dead on her kitchen floor, and she was found dead by her fiancé, who's named Sam or Samuel Goldberg. And um, it's worth noting that her fiancé, Samuel, uh, was like some um, sort of bigwig TV producer, uh, which might be relevant for later in the story. I still don't see the connection to that, but maybe... Through our discussion, I'll, I'll understand. So Sam, uh, one day on January 26th in 2011, comes home from the gym and he finds that the door is locked. So they lived in an apartment together and he tries to reach her. Um, he tries to get security to open the door and uh, security tells him that it's against building policy for him to be able to get into the apartment via security. Um, so he pretty much forces the door open and he finds Ellen slumped against a cabinet. So he calls 911. So during the phone call and he, he informed them what he was kind of going through, um, he was instructed to start CPR until they could get there to help out. Uh, and then he noticed that there was a knife um, sticking out of her chest and they said, better not do that so i feel like one of the immediately suspicious parts of this is that you find your partner slumped against a cabinet and you somehow don't notice the knife in their chest i remember when you were uh dead juliet for that one <laughs> halloween yeah um the the knife in the chest was probably the first thing all the little kids noticed yeah i mean i granted i have not been in the situation of finding a partner unconscious and, and wounded, but I feel like upon 
pretty quick examination that's something that you would see. Ellen had 20 stab wounds. There were 10 on her neck and head, and that included two of those wounds, which went really deep, uh, actually into her brain. Uh, there was no suicide notes. There was nothing left on the computer. Uh, and what's even stranger, uh, a half-made bowl of fruit salad was on the counter. Okay, so here's the other kind of strange part of this. And again, I um, was not there. No one really was, I guess, that we know of. But I feel like the trend that you see for a lot of people who are suicidal and, and have some sort of plan like I can't imagine you'd be in the middle of eating breakfast and be like well yep no I think now is the perfect time like the the half made bowl of fruit is kind of strange and the lack of suicide note I don't think is strange because I I know that that's not always the case for people but yeah I, I can't imagine that being the right circumstances no not at all so Dr. Marlon Osborne is the assistant medical examiner at the time of this case, and uh, Dr. Osborne had noted other injuries, including other stab wounds to the chest, as well as bruises in various stages of resolution on the right side of her body. And he also noted that there were 11 bruises in various stages of resolution on Ellen's right arm, abdomen, and right leg. So here's why it gets a little bit weirder. In various stages of resolution, um, kind of points to either domestic domestic or self-harm of, you know, leading up to this incident. We were able to find the actual report of examination. Uh, this came from the City of Philadelphia Office of the Medical Examiner. Uh, it's like an eight-page document. And it goes into very scientific and physical detail of every wound. Uh, you have, you know, stab wound A of chest, stab wound B of chest. It goes all the way down, I think, to like R. Uh, they give a, a letter to every stab wound, and they basically explain, um, you know, how deep it went, how wide was it, uh, what was going on beneath it. Um, pretty much just going to read the the external examination just the opening paragraph it does get pretty sciencey i'm gonna i'm gonna skip over those words so we can avoid having to uh <laughs> having to reshoot um so it goes as the body is that of a five foot seven inch 136 pound white female who appears compatible with reported age of 27 years the atraumatic scalp is covered by brown hair the facial bones have no palpable fractures. The external auditory medicines have no discharge. The tongue has no injuries. The lips are atraumatic. The oral cavity has no injuries. The teeth are natural and in good repair. The neck is symmetric. The chest is symmetric. The abdomen is flat. The back is symmetric. Uh, the upper body and lower body extremities have no deformities or fractures and really nothing uh, out of the ordinary upon an examination minus the many 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 stab wounds uh, each stab wound has a good paragraph of information uh, just to get a taste of what their lingo is 
Um, I'm going to read one of the stab wound descriptions. Uh, so stab wound A of chest. It goes like this. An elliptical, horizontally oriented, 0.4 by 0.2 centimeter stab wound is centered 30 centimeters below the top of the head in the midline of the chest. The medial end of the wound is sharp. The lateral end is blunt. The edges of the wound are smooth. The wound is approximately 0.4 centimeters when reapproximated. The wound extends through the skin of the chest for a depth of 0.2 centimeters. Associated with the wound track are hemorrhages in the adjacent soft tissues of the chest. The pathway of the wound with the body in the normal anatomic position is front to back. And this goes on and on and on for all of the stabs um, with differentiation of like how deep the wound goes or uh, any other kind of damage that was received from the knife. All of that to say, one day after Ellen's death, it was ruled a homicide by Dr. Osborne. And investigators told reporters the next day that they were leaning towards suicide. Um, and the reason is that Ellen had been on anti-anxiety medication. And um, kind of goes into detail saying that Ellen had recently started seeing a psychiatrist who felt that Ellen was not suicidal. And the psychiatrist said that she was anxious about work, prescribed her clonopin and Ambien, which were the only drugs that were found in her system. And both drugs list suicidal thoughts and behavior as possible side effects. Um, there's another note that uh, came from a different article that we were reading that talks about the friends um, and the family having somewhat differing views, apparently, of her mental state. So her family said that she was not in a state of, um, you know, potentially committing suicide. Her friends that said that, um, you know, she was in a much uh, deeper state of anguish um, than maybe her family had realized. And months after this initial ruling, uh, Dr. Osborne reversed the cause of death to say suicide, but her parents, who are Josh and Sandra Greenberg, say they never believed it, and um, pretty much to this day, they've been searching to figure out how Ellen actually died. There's no question as to the facts of how she was found. That's indisputable. Uh, but in a copy of the civil complaint obtained by 48 Hours, uh, attorneys note that some stark disagreements between what investigators have said and what other experts are saying. Everything that happened pretty much happened right where she was, Homicide Sergeant Tim Cooney told the Inquirer. The rest of the apartment was pretty unremarkable. There was no blood anywhere outside of the kitchen where she was found, nothing missing, uh, nothing overturned or broken into like pretty much a, a normal apartment as one would expect yeah so they said that they found no signs of an intruder uh, they found no signs that Ellen actually tried to flee and I believe that they said that they found no evidence of her having any defensive wounds meaning that she was being attacked and would be fighting back um, and the only DNA that was found on the knife was hers and one of the things that makes this a little bit trickier is that the apartment door had been locked, 
until it was broken in by Goldberg, which we kind of already went over. Um, but he had told the police that the swing bar lock had been engaged from the inside. For anyone who has watched the new episodes of Unsolved Mysteries, you know <laughs> that um, apparently doors locked from the inside don't mean shit. Yeah, I was getting some heavy vibes once you brought this story to my attention uh, when that came up. Uh, just like in the episode of Unsolved Mysteries, the mystery person who was found dead and a whole lot of things didn't make sense there. This one is also pretty zany, uh, especially the brutal way that she did die. You know, how can someone manage to do that many stabs to themselves? Well, that's a good question because the Greenbergs also don't buy the story um, that she had stabbed herself uh, twice in the head, two near the brain, um, and still committed the other 18 stabbings to herself. So they consulted um, a Pittsburgh area forensic pathologist in 2012 who concluded that Ellen's death was strongly suspicious of homicide, and he noted concerns about the locations of the wounds, especially the wounds that were to the back of the neck. And there's another expert um, that the family consulted in 2017, who goes by the name of Wayne K. Ross, who mentions the stab wound that penetrated the brain and said that an injury like that would lead Ellen to have severe pain, cranial nerve dysfunction, and traumatic brain signs, as well as numbness, tingling, and irregular heartbeat. Detective Scott Eelman, who was working alongside Dr. Ross, had some questions about the bloodstains in so much as they were uh, inconsistent with the position in which she was found. Um, And and after reviewing crime scene photos, he found a trail of blood that he believes show that the body was moved. That same argument was also brought up by Henry Lee, who was a forensic scientist who had testified for the defense at the O.J. Simpson trial. In a report co-authored with fellow scientist Elaine Pagliaro in 2018, both concluded that the number and types of wounds and bloodstain patterns observed are consistent with a homicide scene. New technology may offer even more clues in the family's search for answers. The process, called photogrammetry, allowed the legal team to recreate Ellen's anatomical and physiological attributes. The company called Biomax took the information from the medical examiner's report and recreated the depth and angle of the wounds. Attorney Joe Pedraza uh, said that this whole process really helps people understand the wounds and the, uh, I guess, like the consequences of the wounds. He says this is critical. In a way, you're able to see the two, the the two really lethal wounds in the back of Ellen's head. You can tell that it's very improbable that Ellen could inflict these wounds from behind. You would not be able to generate enough force to self-inflict. With that being said, it's worth noting that a Philadelphia judge ruled in favor of Ellen Greenberg's family uh, so that they could proceed with a lawsuit against the city's medical examiner's office to remove uh, suicide from the record as her official cause of death. 
and that trial is set to start in 2021, um, barring any changes from COVID. Right. Um, I know that Pedraza, the attorney, uh, he truly believes that there are there is a murderer or a number of murderers walking around, and he thinks that is a pretty horrible thing. Yeah, I mean, there are things in this case that make it feel intentional or calculated um, to, like, you know, kind of close the door that it could be anything but a suicide. But just because there's only her DNA on the knife doesn't necessarily mean anything. Just because the door was locked from the inside doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, Also, just because that she was seeing a psychiatrist and that she was on Um, anti-anxiety medication doesn't fucking mean anything. And I feel like it's pretty suspicious that she had bruises on the right side of her body that had been there before this entire incident, uh, which would indicate that there was something going on. So I would be curious to hear what everybody else thinks about this case. I thought it was really interesting. It was one of the first times I've I've really heard about it, and I just happened to find it on a Reddit thread randomly. Uh, but in my opinion, and I have absolutely no professional background to make this determination, but um, just based off of the story, the evidence, and the fact that I don't think somebody could stab themselves twice at that angle in into the head, into the brain, um, I think feel like this is pretty much the fiance uh in my mind i know how i react when i nick myself with a knife and i'm like cutting onions and i don't think i could do that uh what 20 something times 20 times uh 10 to the neck and in the back of the head you got me on the too deep enough into the brain you got me on the back of the head stuff that that's the one that really throws me off and the way the body was found just doesn't seem quite right like kind of like slept up against the cabinets right yeah and also the fact that the fiance did not seem to notice the knife in the chest when he called 911 no because he didn't do it yeah so what seems like happened to me is the fiance kills ellen uh kind of sets it up you know, to look like a suicide. And the whole reason that I brought up the TV producer thing is because I feel like he either had money or some sort of pull to help change the narrative of the case in his favor. Um, so he he kills her, sets it up to look like a suicide, goes to the gym as an alibi, um, and then comes back. And then everything that we kind of just chatted through uh, proceeds to happen. But that stupid door lock. But you know what? I've come to realize it means absolutely nothing. It means nothing. Fair. Fair. With that, the episode is coming to a bit of a close. Uh, with the, the trial that's happening in 2021, I hope for Ellen's family's sake that there is some justice that comes to light here and that it is ruled a homicide because it seems like that's the case. Um, And it seemed pretty cut and dry, at least on the first day when they had made that determination from the autopsy. You think? Yeah. Yeah. So I hope that they're able to get some closure and some some peace. And I, I hope that this trial in 2021 brings them that. 
Yeah, I know our content is, is usually uh, kind of lighthearted. Yeah, it's usually lighthearted and not so true crimey. I don't. I don't think I like doing true crime. I there's a reason we're not a full true crime podcast. There's, yeah, there's a heaviness to it. Um, I mean, the people who do the true crime podcasts each week and the amount of research that they do. I mean, there are so many that just knock it out of the park. Uh, but there's no way I'd be able to have that kind of content every single day. So, applaud to to you guys who can actually do that. Yeah, uh, but hopefully, at the very least, um, we have stirred your interest enough so that you guys can find out a little bit more on your own uh it is a development and process i guess and we're curious to hear what you guys think so send us your thoughts on facebook instagram twitter you could shoot us an email boost and confuse podcast at gmail.com and let us know what you think about the case I have my money on the fiance. Yeah. Oh, 100%. If I've ever seen enough SVU, which I have. Yeah. Because of you. Yeah. Uh, it's always the fiance. It's, oh, it's almost always. Thank you again so much for joining us this week. Uh, we hope you found this episode enlightening. I don't want to say enjoyed this episode because the topic content is pretty disturbing, but uh, we hope that it, it brought a new issue to light for you and it's something that you can do some investigative work on your end for and we hope to see you next week new episodes drop every monday mondays all right see you next week goodbye bye bye